Father God, thank you for um, your goodness. Thank you for this testimony. We've just heard of your goodness and your power to save. Um, we thank you for your word that reveals um, Jesus to us, reveals uh, who you are. And we pray that right now as we hear it read and preached, that you would be at work um, by your spirit, softening our hearts to hear what you have to say to us today. Uh, please transform us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, June, wherever June is. <laughs> the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, he will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Thanks. Thanks so much, June. <clears throat> uh, what a great passage. We're going to reflect on that part of the Bible together. Uh, we do that every week here. And um, so that's what we'll be doing today. But before we get to the passage, I thought we'd play a short game. Okay, we're going to play a short game of what would you rather? Okay, so uh, there'll be some pictures up on the screen. The first one, uh, who is a chocolate person? Chocolate, vanilla, any strawberries? Oh, wow. Oh, I see you in a whole new light, Tom. <laughs> okay, so, okay, that's interesting. All right, uh, next one. Oh, we better get this one out of the way. Okay. Port. No. Oh, there's a few up the back. Crows? Don't really care. <laughs> there's a few. Okay, yeah, good. Okay. Uh, for the kids, what do you reckon? Batman or Superman? Batman? Superman? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're a bat. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about it when you go on a holiday? What would you prefer? Beach? Or river? Beach holiday, river holiday. Yeah, we've got a few. There's a bit of a mix. Uh, there's lots of things like that, aren't there, that uh, are kind of, you know, we all have different opinions about them. We all have different sort of um, feelings when, when, when they get put up before us. I'm going to keep going, though, and I reckon, well, we might be a bit more uniform in these. So what would you rather? Living in a land of long-term drought, parched and dusty or a land with plenty of rain for crops. 
no need to put your hands up, but I, I reckon most of us would be able to answer that pretty, pretty quickly. What would you rather, a fearful and anxious heart or a heart that's at rest and confident and at peace? Which would you rather, a broken body uh, dealing with chronic pain, eyes and ears that don't work, legs that can't walk, or a body that's healthy and whole and strong? Uh, which would you rather, being lost in a dangerous wasteland with no, and, uh, with no sort of direction or having a clear and straight road to follow? A life marked by sorrow and sighing or a life marked by gladness and joy? Uh, there's not really any sort of debate or question or <laughs> about those ones, is there? Uh, lots of our desires are just preferences and everyone's got a different opinion, but then there are these deeper desires, right? Those deeper longings that we all share. And it's pretty easy to answer which we'd prefer. I reckon somewhere along the line in life, as you go on, uh, you kind of start to learn um, to settle for those longings to be disappointed, basically, uh, for them to go unmet. We realise there's something broken about the world. It, it is a place of droughts and flooding rains. We realise that there are many reasons to have an anxious heart. We realise that our bodies do inevitably break down and that life so often can feel like a dangerous wasteland uh, that we are blindly stumbling through. Well, Isaiah 35 that June read out for us paints this stunning different picture to all of that. It's an alternative vision of reality, a world in which our deepest desires are eternally and fully met Friends, this is the world that you long for. This is the world you were made for. And the amazing good news of the gospel is that this is the world you will be welcomed into if you have put your trust in Jesus, the saving Lord, who will make everything new. All right, a bit of, um, bit of context for this passage we're looking at. Uh, if you're visiting us for today, we, uh, part of what we do as a church is we read through books of the Bible together and re we reflect on them. Uh, we are at the end of a, a series in the book of Isaiah today. Uh, Isaiah continues, and we'll come back to it later, but this is the last of this chunk of Isaiah. And we're looking at a chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah 35, that's about in the middle of the book. Um, Isaiah's been giving this message to God's people uh, in the Old Testament, Israel. They're facing this massive threat from the Assyrian Empire. If you've been here a few weeks, maybe this map will be familiar to you. Uh, the, the, the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, is sort of threatening. He's already they've already taken away the northern kingdom uh, a number of years before of Israel. And the, the Judah in the south is sort of in the firing line. So this passage is at the end. It's sort of like the climax of the first half of Isaiah's book. Um, it's uh, this, uh, the, the people uh, that Isaiah is talking to, they're in a bad way. Uh, they're in a bad way. Uh, actually, Isaiah's message is they're in a bad way because they've forsaken God. Uh, they've rejected him and they're in his goodwill for their lives. But God hasn't forsaken them. And this passage is a real high point showing what God's going to do 
what God's going to do. There's two main parts to it. If you've got a handout, you can hopefully see it there. Two main parts. Uh, Isaiah talks about a transforming promise and a joy-giving hope. A transforming promise and a joy-giving hope. He tells us this promise that God is going to come and save his people. And then he tells of this hope, this joy-giving hope, that not only will God come to his people, but the, the people will come to God. Uh, they'll come to God in praise. That's the two kind of halves of this passage. All right. Uh, the only way that this is going to happen, though, is for God to come and act. That's what he talks about. And when God comes, it's going to change everything. Uh, if you, uh, it should be on the screen, verse 3, or in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles open. Verse 3, look down at that. It says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He'll come with vengeance. In other words, he's going to come and free his people from their enemies. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. Uh, So Isaiah's great hope is this day when God would come uh, to his people in saving power. And, and listen how he talks about that day. As you read through this first part of this chapter, listen to how he talks. He uses this image of a desert, uh, this land that's just been devastated by droughts. Uh, he's already been using this image. In the last chapter, we didn't read it, but the last chapter, 34, he uses that image to show it's kind of like a, an image of what life is like without God when we've rejected God, who is the source of life and light. This image of a desert... Uh, But here's what's going to happen when God comes to save. Verse 1, this beautiful imagery, right? The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, the places around Israel. Um, They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. I don't know if you saw this, last year um, there was this video that went viral a little bit when there were some drought-breaking rains in Victoria and there was this farmer who filmed himself going out in the rain um, and it sort, of, it sort of exploded a little bit at the time uh, and uh, he filmed himself going out into, the, into this drought-breaking rain and just, he was overjoyed, he was dancing around, he was sort of you know, shouting out, you beauty, he was going and talking to his cows Uh, And there was this absolute feeling of joy and relief. And that is the kind of feeling that's supposed to be behind this chapter. That's the kind of joy and relief that lies behind what's written here. All of a sudden, this drought is broken. Uh, There's this life-giving rain. And did you notice as as you read through, even the land rejoices, it says. But down in verse 6, uh, it, it keeps, keeps going on with his imagery halfway through the verse. Water will gush forth in the desert and streams in the, des- in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling stream- springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. There's this transformation that's going to happen. And it's not just the land that's transformed, though. As you read through this part of Isaiah, it's the people too. It's not just the land, it's the people too. We already saw back in verse 3 that Isaiah's telling of this day when their fearful hearts will be made strong. Um, That's what Isaiah talked about already in verse 3. But this transformation even goes further. 
Uh, people are made strong in their, in their hearts, but it's like a holistic transformation. In verse 5, you notice this, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Isaiah's already talked a lot about blindness and deafness as we've read through. Maybe you've sort of picked that up. He's talking to, and he uses it as an image to talk about the way in which the people he's talking to are spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. They can't see or hear God's word to them. Uh, but we, remember, if you were here last week, maybe you remember, we, we saw the way in which it's going, it would take an outpouring of God's spirit to turn that around, to open these eyes, to, to turn that, de- that, um, that all around. And here, it's like this, that, that spiritual healing that God would give, it's tied together with a, a, the, the, a physical one as well. There's this image of people being made whole in every way, in their bodies, in their minds, in their souls. And Isaiah looks, for, he looks ahead to this day that God promises, and he longs for it. He longs for it like a farmer longs for rain in the middle of a long drought. He longs for it. This day when God would come, and when he'd come and finally deal with everything that's wrong in the world, when he'd finally come and renew his people. So that's what Isaiah's talking about. And the amazing news of the Bible, of the gospel, the amazing news of Jesus, is that 700 years after Isaiah wrote this, uh, there, was the, there was another prophet, actually, a guy named John the Baptist, is the last of the Old Testament prophets, uh, and he sends his disciples to this wandering rabbi called Jesus. Uh, and Jesus is doing these incredible things. He's saying these amazing things, performing um, um, these miracles. He's transforming people like rain falling on a parched land. And John sends his disciples to Jesus, and he, and he sends them with this message. He says, are you the one we've been waiting for? And Jesus replies, and when Jesus replies, he goes, to this, he goes to this passage and a number of other ones in Isaiah, but he goes to this passage and he says, here, go and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the deaf hear. Jesus is saying that this, this promise God made to Isaiah, the promise that he, God would come and bring this restoration and this healing and this peace Jesus is saying, that day is now here in me. Friends, Isaiah looked ahead to that day, right? He looked ahead to that day. We are in the incredible position of looking back on that day. When God came, the day of Emmanuel, God with us, whose presence was like a life-giving rain to thirsty people who started to undo the curse of our sin, the desert that we're in, because of our rejection of God. So we look back on that day, but we also look ahead to that day as well, the day when he will come. Uh, Jesus has come. He's come to bring forgiveness and and, uh, through his death and resurrection. And he he is going to come finally, uh, to finally and once and for all do away with all evil and sin and suffering and death when he'll judge the world in righteousness and when those who have trusted him will enter his heavenly Zion with singing. Uh, And 
In the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, he calls his people to this new walk. That's what the rest of this passage goes on to talk about. He finishes this image of God has come to his people. God has come to his people so his people can come to him. Verse 8, a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. The wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So in the midst of the desert, Isaiah pictures this road, this highway, leading to this city he calls Zion. Zion in the Old Testament, it's another way of talking about the city of Jerusalem and the temple that was in, its, in the middle of it. It was like a sign of God's presence on earth. Uh, Zion is the place where God rules. And in, at, in Isaiah's time, people travelling to Zion, to Jerusalem, faced all kinds of dangers. So, you know, faced... Uh, the, what you kind of heard about in that passage, these, um, what Isaiah calls wicked fools and ravenous beasts who would threaten them on the way. Uh, but this Zion that Isaiah is talking about, it's a Zion like no other. It's not like the Zion they knew. It's a place of everlasting joy. And Jesus shows us how huge this is. Uh, when Jesus comes, he comes and says, I, he, that he is the true and new temple, the, 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 the ultimate place where God has come to live with his people, uh, where God's kingdom has come. And because of Jesus, there's now a heavenly kingdom, a heavenly Zion, and people from all over the world, from every nation, every tribe, every class, wherever you're from, people from all over the world are, in, are invited to join this kingdom, to enter this city through faith in him. And there's this road that they walk on. It's a road, it's a city like no other, it's a road like no other. In verse 8, did you notice, he calls it the way of holiness. Uh, it's, it's because it's a road that belongs to the holy God. And that holy God shares his holiness with his people. He's the God who makes them holy. I don't know what you think about when you think about holiness. Um, uh, Reverend Lovejoy or something. Uh, but holiness in the Bible is not a stuffy and joyless thing. Holiness means being set apart for a special purpose. And what Isaiah shows us here is that living God's way, walking this road of holiness, is not about saying no to joy and gladness. It's about seeing all the things we go to to try to fill us, to try to quench our thirst, but that only leave us more dry. And more empty. And it's about turning from them and turning to the one who alone can fill our empty hearts. Who alone can satisfy our deepest longings. And lead us to true joy. That's what this road of holiness is about. And it's a road of security and safety. Do you notice that in verse 9? Those dangers people were familiar with at the time. They're not going to be there anymore. It'll be a way where the holy God makes his people holy and the sovereign God keeps them safe. Well, who's this road for? Who is it for? Uh, is it for a few people who manage to be good enough? 
Uh, is it for the people who can prove themselves worthy of the road? Who can get on this road? Could you ever walk on this road? And Isaiah says, yes. Yes. It's not a road for self-righteous people. <laughs> it's not a road for impressive people. It's not a road for people uh, who only have a clean record. And this is wonderful, friends. This is why whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever desert you're walking through, you too can walk this road of holiness and true eternal joy. Verse 9. It's the redeemed who will walk there. In verse 10, it's the ones the Lord has rescued. It's the redeemed, the rescued, who walk this road. To be redeemed means you've been bought with a price. You've, someone's paid your debt and set you free. Uh, someone's rescued you, lifted you up. And Jesus has redeemed and rescued all those who come to him. All those who turned from their deserts and turn to him who trust him and what he's done on the cross. That's where he paid the price. And that's where you can find life. Uh, that's where Andrew has found life. That's why his baptism is a celebration. Mate, uh, it's so great that, to celebrate this with you today. We rejoice in uh, what God has done in your life. Uh, it's something that we do together we're walking this road, actually. It's part of Andrew's baptism. I hope uh, all who are able are, uh, will be able to be there. Part of Andrew's baptism is going to be a commitment that we as his church family make to support him, to walk alongside him um, as uh, a member of the body of Christ, uh, a child of the same Heavenly Father. It's a solemn commitment we make, actually. Uh, and so I want to urge us as a church family, when we, make those, when we say those words, when we make that commitment, to take it to heart. Um, so how do we wrap things up? How do we finish things up today? Well, maybe uh, uh, what this passage puts before us is it, it asks us, it makes us think, where are, we, where are we in relation to this road? Are we on the road or not? Perhaps you haven't yet joined this road. or You might not be convinced that any of this is true. Uh, you might be thinking that the, the picture that's painted here is just wishful thinking. Uh, or you might just have questions about it all. Oh, we'd love to talk to you if that's you. Uh, we'd really love to talk. Any, and there's no, no honest question is a bad question. Uh, we'd love the chance to chat and to introduce you to Jesus. Um, if, that, if you'd like to sort of take that further, there's a tear-off slip in your handout. And uh, please do just write, um, uh, let us know that that's you and write something on there. You can pop it in. The, there's a box at the back called the Everything Box. Uh, and you can drop that in on the way out. But maybe if you have joined this way, you've put your trust in Jesus. But you, feel, you still feel the pain of life in the desert. And that's all of us, actually, to different degrees. Uh, Jesus doesn't offer a pain-free life. The joy that's spoken of here, it's not a kind of uh, shallow joy. Um, it's not a hypocritical, weak, sort of fake smile that you put on and that ignores all the pain in life. There's actually something much deeper going on in this passage. What this passage does, and particularly when we're struggling... 
particularly when the experience of joy is far from us, what this passage does is it points us to the certain future that is in store for all of Jesus' people, for everyone on this road, that in Christ, together with his people, you will enter the true heavenly Zion with singing. Even when you don't feel like singing now, you will sing then. All your longings for security and peace and acceptance will be fully met in Jesus. You don't have to give in to cynicism or despair. You can walk forward knowing that in Christ, everlasting joy will crown your head. That gladness and joy will overtake you. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Nothing less than the word of the Father, the resurrection of Jesus, the outpouring of his spirit guarantees it. And perhaps, friends, today, perhaps the certainty of that hope can spill over into the present, can ignite something of his joy in you, a joy that's not grounded in you, but grounded in Jesus and what he's done and what he will do. Come pray for us as we finish. Let's pray. Earlier in Isaiah, we read this. The fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted, citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks, till the spirit is poured on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. Oh God, please pour out your spirit on us. We have so many longings that the desert of this world cannot fulfill. And you, you hold out your hands offering to, f- to fill them for us. We thank you for Jesus. Uh, we thank you that in him you have come to this world. You have come like rain on a parched land. You have come to restore and forgive and heal and give hope and life and purpose. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that wherever we're at today, we might take a step towards you. Uh, We thank you for Jesus and everything that he means. And we ask, oh God, that the the certain future that you have in store for us, we might lift our eyes to that, and the joy that you have in store for us might even overflow to us today. Please help us to keep our eyes fixed on you and what you've done. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.